Please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, and we're going to be looking at chapter 2 today, verses 6 through 20. Our message series is called The Journey from Doubt to Faith, and uh, we have been tracing Habakkuk's journey from doubt to faith as recorded in this book, which bears his name. And we've seen that Habakkuk was struggling with those big questions, right? Those big questions that so many of us struggle with as well when we go through our seasons of doubt. Uh, The three questions, number one, does God care? Number two, is God fair? Number three, is God there? We saw that Habakkuk's first question was prompted by the violence, the injustice he saw among his own people of Judah. And Habakkuk saw this and he wondered, God, why don't you do something about this? And he was wondering, God, do you notice? Do you even care? And God answered Habakkuk by saying, yes, Habakkuk, I do notice, I do care, and I am going to do something about it. He was going to send the Babylonians to judge the people of Judah for their sins. So that answered Habakkuk's first question. Yes, God does care, but then it raised the second question. The Babylonians, they're worse than the people of Judah. And so back and say, well, God, how can you use those who are more wicked to judge those who are less wicked? God, are you fair? Is God fair? And God answered Habakkuk a second time, explaining, yes, Babylon will also be judged for their sin, but all in God's timing. Meanwhile, the righteous will live by faith, trusting God to act justly in his own time. So last week, we saw God make this general promise to Habakkuk that that he's going to judge Babylon. Now today, God is going to get more specific. God highlights Babylon's specific sins and his corresponding judgments for each of those sins. But even more importantly, our passage today highlights the various ways in life uh, that we seek to advance ourselves but to our own ruin. And if you ever wanted to know how to lose it all, this passage and this message is for you today. So we're in Habakkuk chapter 2. I'm just going to read verses 6 through 8 as we begin. Will you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Habakkuk 2, and I'll just read verses 6 through 8. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him! who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their victim. Because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we look into a judgment passage of Scripture, those are the the tougher ones for us to look at at times, I pray that you would open our hearts to what you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So if you were in the bookstore and you saw a book with the title, How to Lose It All, would you buy it? Would you say, that's a book I want, right? Well, you know what? You might, okay? Not because you really want to lose it all, but you, 
You know, you, I don't think you're saying, you know, this is what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to lose everything. No, you might pick up the book to learn what not to do, right? It's like, okay, if this is how you lose it all, let me read it. I'll make sure I don't do that. How can I avoid losing it all? That's what we want to do with our passage from Habakkuk this morning. We want, we want to learn how to lose it all in order to learn what not to do so that we will not lose it all. Okay, so that's where we're going. What's going on in this passage? God raised up the Babylonians to bring judgment to the surrounding nations for their sins. However, as we learned last time, Babylon was not motivated by concern for God or justice. Babylon was motivated purely by greed. We ended last, last time in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 5, which says this, Because he, speaking of Babylon, is as greedy as the grave, and like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations, he takes captive all the people. So the Babylonians, they were driven by what? By their greed. They weren't thinking about God. Uh, they, they weren't concerned for God. They were conquering all the surrounding nations for themselves. They were building an empire for themselves. And you know what? The Babylonians, they thought they had it all. But in reality, they were about to lose it all. Because God would judge Babylon for its all-consuming greed. And that coming judgment is described in great detail in the verses we're going to look at this morning. Verse 6 begins, will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn? And the them is all of the surrounding nations. The him is Babylon. And what follows is what is called a taunt song. Uh, you might have done this in the playground when you were in school, where you would you know, taunt other people with a chant or something. It's a song or a poem designed to mock or scorn in another. And in this particular case, Babylon is mocked by the very nations they have conquered. And although the song is obviously directed against this nation, Babylon, Babylon's never even mentioned by name in it. The words are generalized. Why is that? So that this song applies to anyone including us, anyone who might act in the same way that Babylon acted. Do you want to know the way to lose it all? It's easy. It's easy. You just follow man's way instead of God's way. Man's way is summed up by Jesus with these words. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul. Man's way is very simple. Gain whatever you can, however you can, right? Man's way is that of selfishness and greed. Man's way is you gain the world, but there's a price, right? You lose your soul. So we're going to look at man's way first uh, this morning as described in our passage today. And then at the end of the message, we'll look at God's way uh, to see a better way to go about things. The taunt song in this chapter is made up of five different woes. There's an outline in your worship guide this morning if you'd like to take that out to follow along with the message and the different points we'll be looking at. Uh, but each woe in the song first identifies a specific sin of greed or selfishness, and then it pronounces God's judgment, his specific judgment, upon that sin. Babylon's greed manifested itself in five different ways. You can see it on your outline. In theft, injustice, violence, exploitation, and idolatry. 
But once again, to what profit? And the irony of this song is that those who practice these things think that they are gaining wealth, security, power, pleasure, guidance, when in reality they will lose everything that they had hoped to gain. So we're going to take a closer look now at each of these five woes in our passage this morning. The first woe is found in verses 6 through 8. It deals with the sin of theft. The sin of theft. Look at verse 6 with me now. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? And the sin here is identified as stealing from others in order to gain wealth for yourself. Stealing from others in order to gain wealth for yourself. Now, stealing and theft, these are as old as the human race, aren't they? The very first sin involved stealing. Adam and Eve took from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. They took what was not theirs to take. Stealing is such a serious sin that God made it part of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal, right? And there are so many specific laws in the Old Testament that deal with this problem of stealing and theft. Now, when we think about stealing, we often think of somebody breaking into someone's house or or maybe robbing a bank. But you know what? Those are only two ways that we can steal. I'm guessing most of us have probably never broken into a home or a bank, uh, but we've stolen in other ways, haven't we? We can steal from our employers by padding our expense reports, by taking things home from the office that do not belong to us, by loafing on the job, by leaving early or arriving late, by calling in sick when we are well. We can steal by shortchanging our customers, by overpricing goods or services, or by price gouging in a crisis. People steal from their insurance companies by making fraudulent or misleading uh, claims. People steal from the government by cheating on their taxes. Students steal in school by cheating on tests or plagiarizing papers. And so you can see stealing, this is a much bigger problem, isn't it, than just breaking into houses or robbing banks. We are guilty of the sin of theft any time we take something that is not rightfully ours. You might wonder, well, why do we do it? Why do we steal? Well, we steal because we believe, okay, it's a false belief, but we believe we will gain an advantage by stealing. We steal from others in order to gain wealth for ourselves. But stealing is always wrong because we do harm to our neighbor when we take something that does not belong to us. So what is God's judgment When you steal, you can see it on your outline there, appropriately, you will lose all that you have taken. You will lose rather than gain. Look at verses 7 and 8. God says, will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their victim. Because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Babylon had plundered many nations. Now God says the nations would plunder Babylon in return. 
And the Babylonians would lose everything. Why? Because they had stolen from others. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 11 says this, Like a partridge that hatches eggs it did not lay is the man who gains riches by unjust means. When his life is half gone, they will desert him. And in the end, he will prove to be a fool. And so we may think that we gain some type of advantage when we steal, but in reality, we never do. Adam and Eve, they thought they would become like God. You know, if they just took from that tree, instead they fell into sin and judgment. And so we need to realize you never gain any advantage by stealing. Never. Proverbs 10, verse 2 says, Ill-gotten treasures are of no value. They're worthless. But righteousness delivers from death. When you steal from others to gain wealth for yourself, God says, you will lose all that you've taken. That's our first one. Second woe is found in verses 9 through 11. This one deals with the sin of injustice. The sin of injustice. Look at verse 9 with me now. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain, to set his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. So the sin here is identified as treating others unjustly in order to gain security for yourself. First one was to gain wealth. This one is to gain security. That phrase, to, to set his nest on high, it's a, it's a picture of an eagle building his nest high and secure uh, in the cliffs, safe from trouble and harm. Babylon committed gross injustices. Why? In order to set their nest on high. They conquered cities. They exiled people to foreign lands. They subjected them to forced labor. They plundered their wealth, all in order to build their own walls high, right? And to make their own cities secure. And you know what? This is a temptation for all of us, right? Because we all long to be secure. We all want to be secure, right? And we're often tempted to treat others unfairly in order to strengthen our own position, right? But we must remember that God is just, and therefore he pronounces a woe upon all who would act unjustly. So what is God's judgment when you practice injustice? God says you will forfeit your life. You will lose the security that you thought you would gain. Look at verses 10 and 11 now. God says, you have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. And so the picture here is of a person who's built his own house by treating others unjustly. And everything he has gained was through unjust means. God says this brings shame upon your house. The whole house cries out in testimony against him. This person had hoped to gain safety and security in life. God says instead, hey, your life is forfeit. Jeremiah chapter 22 says this, Woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his countrymen work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. Your eyes and your heart are set only on dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood, on oppression and extortion. 
Folks, it is a lie, it is a deception to think that you can, that you can gain security by means of injustice. When you treat others unjustly to gain security for yourself, God says, hey, your life is forfeit. You lose the very security you would hope to gain. Okay, woe number three is found in verses 12 through 14. This woe deals with the sin of violence. The sin of violence. Look at verse 12 with me. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by crime. And the sin here is identified as hurting others, hurting other people in order to gain power for yourself. Once again, that's exactly what Babylon did with their conquest, right? They had a reputation for cruelty, for violence. They committed unconscionable crimes against the nations they attacked. And what was the purpose for all of this violence? They're just greedy for power. Greedy for power. They didn't care who they hurt as long as they built their own empire. And you might be thinking this morning, you might say, well, I'm not a violent person. So, you know, maybe I get a pass here. Surely these verses don't apply to me. Well, you may not be a violent person, but you know what? We can still be tempted to harm other people in ways that increase our own power. If you're a student this morning, you know this happens in schools all the time, right? We may not physically hurt the other person, but perhaps we say something to damage their reputation in order to strengthen our own position in the peer group. It can happen at work, right? We climb our way up to that promotion. How? By stepping on the backs of our coworkers. It can happen at home. The husband who who physically or verbally abuses his wife, does so in order to gain power for himself. Anytime you hurt another person in order to increase your own power in the relationship, you have committed a type of violence, a sin of violence against that person. So that's the sin. What is God's judgment when you seek to gain power through violence? God says, all of your efforts will come to nothing. Look at verses 13 and 14 with me. God says, has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? That the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Here's a statement of truth for you. God is the only one with real power in this world. And he has determined that all of your efforts at grabbing power for yourself will prove useless in the end. That all of your labors are only fuel for the fire. Instead of increasing power for yourself, God says you're only increasing your judgment. And your labors will not only provide fuel for the fire of God's judgment, your labors themselves will be burned up and destroyed. You will lose it all. And verse 13 captures perfectly the futility of the nations of this world as as they jostle and scramble for power and command. 
All of that labor, wasted. It's just fuel for the fire. The nations exhaust themselves for nothing. All of that effort wasted in the mad dash for supremacy and control. Back to the Babylonians. The Babylonians thought, hey, we're building a world empire. It's going to last forever. Didn't last 100 years, folks. 100 years, it's gone. Empires come and empires go, but God remains forever. So you may be just grabbing for a little empire of your own, whether it's school or work or at home. You know what? It doesn't matter whether you're grabbing for the whole world or just a part of it. The principle remains the same. God owns it all. And you exhaust yourself for nothing when you grab power for yourself because the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God is sovereign. God is glorious. God owns it all. The whole earth is going to be filled with his glory. When you hurt others to gain power for yourself, God says your efforts will come to nothing. Three woes down, two to go. Number four, the fourth woe is found in verses 15 through 17. This one deals with the sin of exploitation. Exploitation. Look at verse 15 with me. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin until they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. The sin here is identified as taking advantage of others in order to gain pleasure for yourself. The specific specific example that's given here is getting someone drunk so that you can take sexual advantage of him or her. And sadly, this still takes place uh, in our day and age, whether through alcohol or, uh, or, or other means. People take advantage of others through date-rape drugs, uh, such as uh, rohypnol or GHB or ketamine. Other ways of exploiting others for your own pleasure include sexual abuse, pornography. Then, of course, exploitation doesn't have to be sexual. There are other ways that we exploit others. Gambling, casinos take advantage of poor people's hopes in order to line their own pockets. Drug dealers take advantage of people's addictions in order to benefit themselves. We could go on and on. What is God's judgment when you exploit others in order to increase your own pleasures? God says you will be filled with shame and disgrace. Look at verses 16 and 17 now. God says you will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you. Disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you. Your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. God says you exposed others for your own pleasure. Now it's your turn. You will be exposed. You used your power to take advantage of others. Now it's your turn. Judgment is coming, and all of your glory will be covered with disgrace. You treated others violently, your violence will return on you and overwhelm you. 
When you take advantage of other people in in order just to gain pleasure for yourself, God says you will be filled with shame and disgrace. And then the fifth and final woe is found in verses 18 through 20. This one deals with the sin of idolatry. Idolatry. And the woe in this section actually comes in, in the second verse out of those. In verse 19, it says this, Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. Or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. And the sin here is identified as trusting something other than God to direct your life. Trusting something, anything other than God to guide and direct your life. Now, Habakkuk, he has addressed this issue of idolatry several times in the book already. We've seen that the Babylonians, they were idolaters who trusted in their own strength and skill rather than trusting God. You know, idolatry doesn't have to mean bowing down to a statue, right? Anytime you trust something other than God to guide and direct your life, you are committing the sin of idolatry. And what is God's judgment when you trust something, anything other than Him, to guide and direct your life? God says you will be deceived and disappointed. Look at verse 18. It says, of what value is an idol since a man has carved it or an image that teaches lies? For he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. An idol has no value. It can't speak. It can't guide you. It's a false god that teaches only lies. Those who trust in idols are deceived. They will ultimately be disappointed. And then verse 20, part of our memory verse for this morning provides the contrast to these lifeless idols. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Such a beautiful verse that speaks of God's awesome majesty and holiness. As God stands above the clamor of the nations and apart from sinful man, it provides a fitting end to this entire section as those who rely on theft, injustice, violence, exploitation of others and idolatry, as they're told, hush, keep silence before the Lord. He's in his temple. He is holy. Cease all of this endless striving towards greater wealth, security, power, and pleasure. Be silent before him. Turn from your worthless idols. Bow before the Lord in heaven who alone can fulfill your deepest longings and satisfy your soul. So that's man's way. I spent a lot of time in that this morning because that's the passage. Man's way is to gain the whole world and lose your soul. But what about God's way? God's way is to lose your life for Christ in order that you may find your life, that you may gain your life back. Lose your life for him, and God will restore your soul. And you lose your life for Christ by serving God instead of serving yourself. Let me give you five specific ways that you can do that this morning, which really brings out the contrast between God's way and man's way. Each of these five things are the exact opposites of the five woes that we've just looked at. Number one. You serve God instead of self by giving rather than stealing. You serve God instead of self by giving 
rather than stealing. Ephesians 4.28 says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Number two, you serve God instead of self by practicing integrity rather than injustice. Integrity rather than injustice. Proverbs 10.9 says, The man of integrity walks securely. Ah, that's where security comes from. The man of integrity walks securely. But he who takes crooked paths will be found up. Number three, you serve God instead of self by acting with compassion rather than violence. Compassion rather than violence. Philippians 2 says, if you have any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Number four, you serve God instead of self by serving other people rather than exploiting them. Serving rather than exploiting. Jesus said in Matthew 20 to his disciples, he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then finally, you serve God instead of self by worshiping the living God rather than trusting in idols. We read in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So let's back this up now. Habakkuk wondered if God would judge the Babylonians for their sin. He wondered, is God fair? Is God just? And here in chapter 2, God shares with Habakkuk the various judgments that would fall upon the Babylonians for each of their corresponding sins. And every judgment lines up exactly with the sin. God is completely fair. God is completely just. Babylon would lose it all because they were seeking to build an empire for themselves rather than seeking to serve God. Jesus said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. You know, the people of this world clamor and strive for wealth, security, power, and pleasure. They trust in idols of their own making rather than in God. But God says their labor is only fuel for the fire. They exhaust themselves for nothing. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, this is a difficult passage for us this morning. It's a judgment passage. And Lord, we all fall short. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you took the punishment for our sins upon yourself. That you allowed the judgment for sin that should have fallen upon each one of us, that you allowed that judgment to fall upon you at the cross. Lord, we are forever grateful. 
There's nothing we can or could ever do to earn our salvation. All we can do is come humbly before you, confessing our sin and placing our faith in Jesus Christ who died to be our Savior. And so, Lord, we confess this morning, Jesus is Lord. He is Savior. He died for our sins. He rose again on the third day. You are alive forevermore. You are coming again. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Amen.